0: Hello and welcome back to the 4Play Music Podcast and this is episode 2 of the new season and we'll be picking up where we left from last week, uh, running through the bands and artists who have influenced our music tastes. I'm David Turner and I'm delighted to be joined by my co-hosts. We've got Darren Parr in Devon.
1: Hello guys, alright, welcome. Bye Darren.
0: Um, Alan Jones from Tempe who lives in Luton but he does have a Devon connection.
2: Yes, 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 good morning everyone, or uh, afternoon now. Eh?
0: And uh, last but certainly not least, we got Mark Hollywood from Newry, who lives in Edinburgh.
3: Good afternoon everyone. David, you sound more and more like a Radio 2 DJ as the weeks go by. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm working
0: on it, maybe one day they'll <laughs> pick me up, you never know. Love it.
3: <laughs> and, Alan, and Alan sounds like he's just introduced himself to a classroom. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs>
0: quite in, in the back. back.
3: <laughs> yes.
2: Good morning to you, Mr. Ball.
0: Look, before we kick for off, those... I was going, Alan.
2: Yeah, for those uh, who aren't able to watch this on telly, uh, just to say that Mark Hollywood has got a, a, a remarkable resemblance to uh, Michael Ball, the uh, singer and television personality. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you never see these two in the same
1: room. Has he got the same singing voice as well? I wish. <laughs> I I do wish.
3: Uh, well, I'll take that as a compliment. Nice guy, Michael Ball.
1: Maybe finish yeah. the song at the end as well. Yes. <laughs> uh, Did we
3: do Did we do this last week? <laughs> <laughs> do you ever get that feeling of déjà vu? Did you ever get that feeling of déjà vu? Yeah, <laughs> you have done it before. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay guys, thank you. Um, before we kick off, um, what I'd like to do is share some of the feedback that we received on our Facebook page. So uh, if anyone's interested, they can they can make their own contributions, they can follow up and see some of the comments raised by other listeners, uh, and that's on the 4Play Music podcast, and I'll include the link in the show notes. Um, first of all, we had uh, jerome de Saint Desain-Quentin, who lives in uh, Noyon in, uh, in France, Guys, listen to one of these bands. You two. Depeche Mode, uh, Jean-Louis Aubert and Alain And ba- um, I'd just like to tell Jérôme that he needs to get his brother, uh, twin brother, Cherry, to, to join in, who I know he'd have Lloyd Cole in there in, in his four, definitely. Um, also, Gavin Byrne, who, when I last saw him, was in Ireland, but I'm sure he's moved back into Northern Ireland. He's recommended, or he's called out his influences as Bob Dylan, Prince, Led Zeppelin, and Bowie. Sterling stuff. Oh, yeah. um, yep. Next, Mark, you know this chap, Andy Slavin, um, also in Edinburgh. Uh, Pink Floyd, Merillion, The Who, and Big Country.
3: Nice one Slav.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. And no, no surprise to see those names in there. Um, Andy Warren, um, a friend of mine who lives near Weston. Western Super Mayor, um, thank you for your comments, Andy. Um, the four influences he shared were Led Zeppelin, Earth, Wind and Fire, Bruce Springsteen, and Ten CC. So, um,
2: right, that's, yeah. that's, good
0: choices, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and lastly, um, Patrick Moore, who's uh, my cousin from another family, has a strong connection goes back to our childhood days and and our parents. Uh, now he lives in the Warrington area. Um, the Beatles, Robert Johnson. Stevie Ray Vaughan, and Bob Dylan. Oh, good
2: choices again. Guys, two votes for Bob Dylan, yeah. like,
0: yeah. guys there's a lot of very strong influences in there. Um, and now it's over us, over to us now, just to finish off and come up with our last two selections each. So what we're going to do is we are going to start with Alan. Over to you for your third choice.
2: Right, here we go. So uh, picture the scene, uh, it's getting towards the, the end of 1977. Punk is uh, in full swing and uh, a lot of new wave uh, bands are starting to start up. And uh, in those days, uh, you know, there was no internet, stuff like that. Um, the only way you could find out about music, uh, new wave really, was principally listening to um, John Peel. John Peel uh, show was on on a Monday night, uh, sorry, Monday to Friday, I believe, if yeah. still remember, yeah. uh, 10 o'clock, and you know, you could be assured, listen to John, um, he would play a, fa- a fantastic arrangement of music, and it was a way to discover new bands, and John always had his, he always did, right at the end, have his finger on the pulse. Uh, and there was one night I was listening and um you know, invariably I would listen to this on my you know little transistor radio in bed uh and um uh, one one night I distinctly remember uh, there was a track and um the beginning of it i didn 't he he didn 't actually announce who the band was, but it had a really quirky like um, organ tune a bit like um sort of thing that you 'd hear um Um, at a fair, you know, like a, like a, anyway, um, played it through, that's, that's fantastic, and he said, oh, oh, and he said, well, that's, um, that's the first uh, release by a band called Simple Minds, or something like that, and, uh, and that was it, a couple of weeks later, uh, there was another release called Chelsea Girl, Um, and then, yeah, it got to i think it was like april 1978 again the only way you could uh you know get some introduction on on, on new bands was you know reading the music papers the likes of new, new musical express otherwise known as nme there were sounds and, and record record uh, what was the other one
0: record mirror
2: mirror um, no, that was it and there was a in the NME. i can remember there was um uh, a review of the forthcoming simple minds album um so i think i read that like on the wednesday when enemy came out wednesday or thursday and then luckily i was going to swansea to see a football match on the saturday so I was able to go in and buy the their their their, their new album um called life and a day oh wow you guys uh can see that yeah lovely cover and uh the back and uh, and what they had here was um, it was, um, it, was a, it was a bit like uh, a mixture of Roxy music um, and and just sounds up uh, it's like you know, Roxy music um, but in a different way. Um, you could definitely hear some other influences in there. But, you know, but I, I'd heard before. But what they had was um, the, one of the guys, uh, Charlie Birch, was playing a violin. And, you know, it was, and it, I just thought this is really, really new to me. This is a band that I need to uh, keep a watch on. And fair dues, you know, I wasn't disappointed. I've never been disappointed with their stuff, you know, throughout the years. Um, you know, they they, they, they just had so, such a quirky, a quirky way about them. And, of course, they had a fantastic... Vocalist in the in the form of Jim Kerr, um, who is now now gone on to you know to be uh, to be quite famous and very very rich. Uh, um, they've I've lost count of the number of times I went to see them live. I've lost count um, of their actual number of albums they've released, but they've been with me. Um, you know all that time I've followed a band I've championed, it's a band I've collected. Um, they developed themselves, um, you know, each and every new album that came out and I think for me probably the up to the first six albums are, you know, pretty much the way with most bands. The first albums are invariably their best. and. Um, no, that when they started to become um, more like a stadium band, that's when I've lost my. Well, they were no longer like a cult band for me because everybody started to know about them. And um, but yeah, I've I've loved this band, and you know I play them most weeks. Um, I had a you know a, a new delivery uh, just um, yes uh, in the week um of one of their their, their fifth album um, which is called new gold dream uh but this is a zimbabwean zimbabwean copy and also yeah this covers so example like that's the original album cover you can see that there the zimbabwean copies um very much looks like a counterfeit and uh, for me you won't be able to appreciate it so much. Uh, but the actual cover is, is different colour. Um, so they've got collectability about them. So that's why, you know, again, why I love them. Um, they've gone through some changes in in terms of uh, band members. Um, uh, you know, the, They lost the, the bass player, uh, Derek Forbes, after about uh, the sixth album. And um, the keyboard player Mick McNeil, uh, he decided to, to give it up as well. Um, so they've had some changes. Bass player was replaced by John Giblin, um, who's was quite a good uh, famous session musician. Um, the, the latest incarnation, um, unfortunately, is only two original members now, which is Charlie Birchall and Jim Kerr, who uh, um, you know grew up together. They're you know, from the same. Uh, area of Glasgow, the Gorbals, um, but they've actually now got a female drummer, we <laughs> call uh, called Cherise Osea, and she's absolutely fantastic, um, she's brought some new energy to the band, uh, and, and I was due to see them twice last year, um, once in uh, London and once um, at um, Blenheim Palace in Oxfordshire. But unfortunately, they were they were cancelled. Obviously, they've been rescheduled. Um, but for me, they are will be probably my number one band ever. Wow! Well, yeah. Hey, presentees. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what you guys have, have got of uh, Simple Mind. Yeah. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm a fan. I am a fan. I've got. Uh,
3: I've only got one of their albums, the "New Gold Dream." And I do like I, I do like Jim Kerr, um, and you you're right. Having Charlie are from the Gorbels big Celtic fans. Uh, you often see them when when there's a crowd there. Um, yeah, great band, but but like yourself, when, when they became a bit stadium like, um, they, they lost a bit of their edge, I think. Um, but I, I, I'm I'm surprised. I am surprised that they're your top band of all time. Um but uh, not, not in a bad way. Um, I would, yeah, I, I would consider them probably one of the best Scottish exports in terms of music.
0: But I think the point, they are global. But I think uh, the point Alan made was that the band he heard first in 77 isn't the same band that you would have heard. You would have heard yeah. the stadium-orientated rock that, that they moved on to and they mm. made their money. Um, Alan, pick up something yep. that you said, actually. You said it last week as well, you said it about the Stranglers. A little bit, you wanted to try and keep it to yourself, and I, I'm hearing you were saying kind of same thing yeah. about the Simple Minds. Now, part of that, I think, is about the music they do, but also it's nice to have something which is yours.
2: Yeah, yeah. in as much as I felt, as though, I mean, John Peel obviously was the introducer for me, but I felt that this was a band that I'd discovered, you know i was in right at the beginning and you know I'm, I'm on a couple of the simple minds uh sites on 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 facebook um i'm a member of uh the to the international one uh, the, the spanish fan club shout out to the boys there and uh, girls and hola. also and yeah all that and also uh the italian one um and they've got such a fantastic uh following i mean I call myself a fan, but these guys take f- fanaticism to another level <laughs> every day they are p- posting stuff and it's their, their their energy for you know for these for, for simple minds is just unparalleled unparalleled and uh, which is great to see um, but yeah wait um, I mean, it was a band that I I've championed all the way, and uh, they, they um, you know, the, the, some of the, the comments you get back, like, oh you know, well, I first went to see Simple Minds, you know, on the uh, so-and-so tour in, in 1990, and uh, I went to see them in, uh, uh, you know, 2000 so-and-so. And I, well, actually, I, I can beat you on that. I first went to see them in March 1980, um, in London at the YMCA, and that was just when I just arrived in London. More or less and within two months I was seeing this pan, it was fantastic. But yeah,
3: um Did you um could you know them <laughs> when they were uh, they called themselves Johnny and the self abusers? Um yes indeed. Um
2: yeah. Yeah, oh well mm-hmm. that that only really came out <clears throat> that only really came out when um you know, after they'd uh, you know they, they had a few albums, really. Um, yeah, they that's the cover. That, well, this is a bootleg cover of the, the actual single. Uh, it was only ever released on a seven inch, um, but yeah, they um, they uh, they were on Chiswick Records, and I remember, uh, you know, buying actually finding that and buying it. Um, and a couple of years ago, uh, went to see Jim Kerr when he performed, was performing it as a solo artist. Um, called Lost Boy, a.k.a. Jim Kerr and I had an opportunity there to buy Johnny and the Self-Abusers t-shirt and I never did, <laughs> I don't know, I'm kicking myself because um, it would have been so cool to have that. Yeah, great band. Um, as I say, I've lost count of the number of times I've seen them. I'll have a
1: little say on this, I guess, before we move on, So I've not spoken yet. So I'm yeah. a, bit of a fan as well of Simple Minds, but as yeah. you are saying, it would be slightly later. So it was probably yeah. one of my first stadium gigs that i actually went to uh Wembley arena i think it was actually so not massive but also not intimate
0: yeah. uh, but i've
1: also in the last few years been lucky enough i saw them down in plymouth at the pavilions as well which much smaller venue yeah yeah and they did do a lot of really early recordings as well i think from my first album i got from them was sister feelings call is it called uh
2: that was yeah there's it's actually a double album yeah
1: yeah uh, called sons of vaccination
2: um which is yeah, and originally when it came out it came with a f- well what they called a free album yeah, yeah. Sister- that's the one uh called sister feelings cool. court <coughs> and um one of my favorite tracks is on that um it's a fantastic inter- instrumental they do some great instrumentals by the way um and um it's it's uh it's a, it's it's fantastic um, fantastic yeah. album uh, it's called um theme theme for great themes for great theme for great cities okay and it's a fantastic piece of music and uh, they invariably they 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 do put, have instrumentals mm-hmm. on most of their albums um,
3: um, but yeah worth checking out and uh, what did very, you- what did you think? What did you think of their massive number one hit, Belfast Child? Interested to get uh, a an other Simple Minds fan. Yeah, was, I mean, I remember, I remember
2: the first radio play of it, uh, and I taped it, and um, I mean, this was a a different move. This was um, a kind of Simple Minds. Um, do, you know folk almost but um i I really loved it I couldn't stop playing it at the time um, right, so. yeah you, you, you know when you when you play when you hear it live um, and they don't play it that often uh, but it it you know can make the hair stand up on the back of your of your neck and mm-hmm. and of course you know it makes you think about I know I know it's an old traditional you know, Irish folk song, as I believe. Um, so it's not original, but it does make you, it did make you think of, you know, the troubles that were still happening when that came out, um, as I recall. And, uh, yeah, very powerful song. Uh, different, um, say, you know, starts off as a, you know, a very slow ballad, but, you know, gradually rises up at the end and there's some great, you um, accordion music being played in there by that was that was by Mick mcneil uh, yeah uh, yeah so yeah great um yeah, i was lucky enough oh, yeah. I,
0: so i was gonna say i saw them in belfast and um when they came to that song jim kerr was saying look we only play this when we're in belfast so mm. lucky enough to hear that being played and uh, yeah. just a very emotional piece as well
3: yeah it's it's from it's it's from an uh original ballad um called she moved through the fair um that's been covered by Sinead o'connor fergal sharkey um it's, a, it's an old ballad it's 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 a beautiful ballad in it's, uh, itself yeah she moves through it was, the fair they used the music from that
2: yeah it was actually released
3: um as an
2: ep uh the ballad of the streets um, mm. it was um the other track was that was on there was Biko, uh, and also uh, the Mandela Mandela Day song, yeah. ah, you know, which and I think Simple Minds they were the ones who really entered into the spirit of um, you know Mandela yeah. uh, in as much as they wrote a song particular you know, specifically for that day, um, you know Mandela's seventieth um, birthday
0: concert. That's good. Um, I've just got. So I've got quite a lot of their stuff. I was switched on to them by a um, good friend, uh, Colin Smith, who uh, I remember him dragging me in and saying, oh, come on, you got to see this, see them on, I think it was Old Grey Whistle Test, and you saw, saw Jim Kerr on there, and he was just very different days, very different person to to who he is now, but spectacular. Um, and, we yeah, did, he, he, yeah. and I did see them Ooh. live in the uh, with Claire in the Black Forest. Unforgettable. Open air concert, big venue, but there was just such a big just before they came on stage, or sorry, when they just arrived on stage, there was a huge thunderstorm, lightning clacking away, and you see Jim Kerr just sort of step to the front of the stage, look up in the sky, and he goes, oh, "It's only a bit of rain. Let's have a let's have some fun," and just yeah, dived into it. Yeah. Okay, no, great, brilliant, great selection there. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go on now to Darren, your your third choice
1: yeah okay well i think we're, we we seem to be doing our usual thing of just going way over time so <laughs> i'll try and keep it brief however this is a guy that... sorry <laughs> sorry <Alan>? i won't <laughs> No worries. <laughs> but this is actually this is a guy that we could probably spend many podcasts talking about um a chap was born in brixton under the name David david robert jones um most of you will know him as mr david bowie of course Ooh, um, already be mentioned, um, Already been mentioned by one of David's um, shy types at the start. I think David wanted to include this one as well in one of his most influential. Um, we've gone with it because it's not one, he's not an artist that I connected with, or it didn't resonate with me till much late, well, later in my life, about probably 13, 14 years ago. And Bowie was somebody, an artist that I knew from the singles that he had out. Um, mainly when I was growing up, it was things like Let's Dance and Dancing in the Street with Jagger, all those sort of things. I knew him from Labyrinth. And I think because it was that kind of era, maybe I didn't take him as seriously as I do now, initially. Um, obviously, now he's taken from us far too soon January 2016, I believe. Um, and I'm still working my way through his back catalogue <laughs> after 12 years. there has got so much stuff and it's stunning. And the way that the man could reinvent himself, um, album after album, or uh, like you've got the Berlin Trilogy and he reinvented himself there and Finn White Duke and Ziggy Stardust and he kept pushing the boundaries. And uh, Just amazing, amazing talent. Um I found some of it, and I still find some of it, some of his uh, work a little bit hard to get into. Different styles. It took me ages to get into sort of low and Lodger. Um, they were the Berlin Trilogy ones. But then other things like Space Oddity and Ziggy Stardust hit me. First time I listened to it, I was hooked. And Ziggy Stardust is probably in my top ten favourite albums of all time now. Um, stunning. Absolutely stunning. Um, and Things like uh, some of his other side projects, Tin Machine. Um, At the time, I listened to it and didn't really care for it. But I'm going back to revisit some of that as well over the last few years. And even that has got immense. It just just shows his immeasurable talent, really. And the fact he was also a painter, a very, uh, very talented artist. And the way that he devised his lyrics, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but some of his songs... He'd cut clippings out of newspapers and magazines and just put them in random orders and think, oh, actually, that looks quite good. I mean, that wouldn't work for anyone else. (laughs) you look at some of Bowie's songs and you can think, yeah, I can see why that worked. Um, And obviously an artist that, well, not obviously, because I could have seen him, but I never got to see him. And he's one of those, when you get asked who would you want to see, what artist or band would you really want to see live, he's at the top of my list. Um, the closest I got was the um, Bowie Is exhibition that was at the DNA. I went up to see that one. Um, it was great. Yeah, it was great, but not like seeing the great man himself. Um, and even right up to the end, he had a bit of a hiatus, didn't he, when he was obviously not well. But to come back with The Next Day and Blackstar, Blackstar, if you haven't heard it, I think is one of the best albums he created. It's absolutely stunning. Um so I've
3: probably talked enough there. What do you guys think? I'm sure we've got lots to say about him. I I have been I, I'm cock-a-hoop that you uh, you chose David David Bowie by um, yeah. I, I I think I I I went through exactly the same journey as you did. Right. Uh, Listen to some of the stuff in the '80s, you know, "Let's Dance," "China Girl," and then dancing in the street—that ridiculous video with Mick Jagger—and you think, yeah. "Oh my goodness!" And then. And then I listened to Ziggy Stardust and Hunky Dory. I yeah. thought this guy is absolute genius. Where does he get the sound from? Um, and and like you as well, it took me a long time to uh, introduce myself to the um, the Berlin trilogy. Right. And mm-hmm. and and, and, and Lowe is amongst my favourites, uh, along with Hunky Dory. I'd Yeah. A great loss. A uh, you know before his before his time. You know only the good day young. That time. Um. Yeah. excellent choice I've been as as you were speaking Darren I've just
1: been nodding my head all the way through <laughs> I
3: did bye uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, bye yeah fantastic,
1: Absolutely fantastic. Guy, I must do a shout out actually to a chap called Ian Shaw who I must get to listen to his podcasts I worked with him at uh, CityLink remember CityLink the delivery company a long time ago they've come past now and he said to me have you ever listened to Bowie I said oh yeah not really and
2: he lent me a few CDs back then, and I had a listen. And it's because of him that I'm a massive fan now. So shout yeah. out to him. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> Anyone else, Alan? Um, yeah, um, well, there's actually a link um, between Simple Minds and, and David Bowie. Mm. Uh, can you guys work it out? Um, well, it's, yeah. to one of, it's to do with one of the songs, one of his songs. It's where Simple Minds got their name.
3: Oh, oh right. Okay. There's one of the lyrics to the songs.
2: Yeah. Oh. Uh, Gene Genie. Gene Genie. Yeah. So Simple Minded. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, right. So that's where the name came from. I
1: didn't know that. Wow. Yeah.
2: And um, yeah, I think we've got a hat trick here um, in terms of getting into bowing. Um, yeah.
1: Uh, See, I thought I'd be alone in that.
2: Yeah, no, um, you know, obviously I was aware of him, you know, in being in school and there was a guy there called uh, Steve Crockford. Uh, he was, he looked like David Bowie, actually. Um, and, he, you know, he started saying, oh, well, I've got this, and this mute uh, and And I didn't have any David Bowie in the house to listen to. You know, my sister and brother, um, they hadn't uh, bought any Bowie. Apart from... The laughing no
1: yeah
2: and that's hardly a uh, great advert for bowie's what i now know to be his record you know yeah, historical no. re- repertoire um but yeah like you um uh, i bought less i think the first album i bought was would have been probably let's dance yeah um and and then slowly i got i you know i was bending my ear to you know to his back catalogue and what really did it for me was the Heathen album. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not, he, he did um, a live. <coughs> excuse me. Um, he did a live session um, for Jonathan Ross. And Jonathan Ross is probably the the biggest celebrity fan of David Bowie. You know, and um, I think I think we've mentioned this before about the song. Um, Everybody says hi um that he wrote uh, yeah, he, yeah. we've um, spoken about that. Um, but that that when it that's when it really resonated with me, what what a talented guy he, he really was. And from then I've just gone way over the top in, you know, buying the back catalogue and I've got the three box sets. Um, you know, I've got thirteen or fourteen albums, you know, in each box, that's a way to collect them. Way to that's you know, so why i found a quick way of getting them. And then i bought all like the coloured vinyl releases. That have come out, um, you know, since, um, and and you know, he he, despite uh, despite passing away, um, there's no shortage of uh, new material coming out from the Bowie estate, uh, and a uh, fantastic amount of live recordings coming out. Um, so yeah, um, I was interested, uh, Darren, about when you went went to the V&A. Yeah you Pick up the limited edition of Even there in uh, like a burnt orange vinyl?
1: No, I could, I think that might have gone. But what I did get that I didn't mention, I was lucky enough to get. Um, I probably can't dig it out quickly to show you, but yeah. I got the book that they did in the orange slipcase signed by Bowie as well. Oh, wow, that's good. Signed by him <laughs> himself, yeah, yeah, that's one of my prized music memorabilia. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: haven't but got I all... it even. Uh, i haven't got bowie's autograph but i have got um probably the the biggest bit i've got in my collection um or bowie is the the next album and there were a thousand copies printed in red vinyl um because of uh his affiliation with paul smith the you know the uh, designer yes yeah Uh,
1: Yeah.
2: and uh as i say there's thousand copies And eighty copies are signed by Paul Smith. And you have a look at that price of that on Discogs, and that will make your 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 eyes.
1: Yeah, I remember trying to get one of those initially. Actually,
2: yeah, I mean the wife's not listening, but I paid over four hundred
1: for mine. (laughs) Oh wow! Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this book cost me three hundred and something, but it's 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 over a thousand pounds worth now. Yeah, I
2: just had to have it because I thought next day when it came out, that was brilliant. And of course, you know, you mentioned. um, you know his final oh. album, which um, some days I can't play, um, but it's it's a masterpiece. Um, if you want to start anywhere with Bowie, go to that last album. Yeah, yeah. yeah working
1: backwards would be a
3: good way
0: to do it, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, so I'd start with a Black Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not? Uh, that's, that's so maybe, yeah. Effort. Well, I, I was obviously gonna to to. Uh, talk about him as an influence and and like Hugh Allen, Laughing Gnome was my introduction but we were both fairly young in those days I think when, when yes. that came out. But I remember going around to a, a friend's house um, and I must have been 13, 14 and the next-door neighbour was there and he had his cassette and he just recorded um, David Bowie off Top of the Pops and that was a way we listened to music in those days, if you wanted to hear it. And, and in hearing Gene Genie, um, that, that kind of opened my my ears and tuned me into him. And then a few years later, I when I started buying records, like it didn't take me long before I was doing the, the Berlin Trilogy. I'm not sure that we knew it as that then. Um Darren just gonna sort of mention his his recording techniques that he used or inspiring techniques um he he did use the cut up method where that came from William Burroughs. well oh yeah um that's how he oh, did that yeah. but but also then when he did the Berlin trilogy and he's working with eno um used these cards oblique strategies, so he'd pull out a card and it would be think of black or it'd be very very obscure single line messages and use that to inspire and and trigger um the music which was created on that particular day so he's always been very open to that as you said about reinventing himself yeah i'm, absolutely. I'm not going to retread the obviously what you've covered on there but also mentioned mentioned number of his side ventures or projects um yeah. Alan, when you went through the different things he did i don't think you mentioned his acting um, which no, no, I haven't, and uh, you know he's been involved in a number of uh, well, one film that I can think of that I really did enjoy, and the music in particular was "Merry Christmas, Mister Lawrence." Oh, yeah, so yes. Yeah. The, and there was work they did with uh, Ruichi Sakamoto, who had been from, who was from the Yellow Magic Orchestra, and oh, yeah. there'd that, be a big connection with one of the other bands I, I love called Japan. Um, but it's also the influence and in he he helped and encouraged. Other artists. So I think he actually helped Lou Reed when he was in a hole, pushed him forwards. um, And that was, I'm trying to remember the name of the album. Uh, Transformer. Transformer, that's the one. Um, Iggy Iggy Pop used to muck around and they used to go around as a twosome. And it must have been fairly grim when those two lads are out, but he certainly helped and he produced um, a a couple of his albums, Lust for Life at least. Um, Mot the Hoople, you know, he helped. Ian? Ian Hunter, Ian oh, Hunter, Ian Hunter.
3: Yeah. oh the, the the lead singer from Monteux. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, all the young dudes. He gave that to them when they were in a, when they were struggling. So he really helped them out on there. Um, and I suppose he can, apart from
3: yeah, he can be with them yeah yeah
0: and apart from having seen him on the heathen tour so i was lucky enough to have seen him and and how much he enjoyed the music when he was on stage and there was a smile on his face which he wouldn't have seen in the 70s that's that's for sure um no. that was great but i did see a premiere of a film called Christiane ref which is a fairly dark film german film i've got the uh got the album which came out record store day a couple of years ago um and again it just He's, he's always seemed to be involved in projects and, and different ventures that were slightly off the beaten path. So he was always helping people, um, yeah. which I'm sure is all doing it for his, you know, for his own benefit as well. But he was always out there, and I think he just needed to be stimulated just to find different ways to keep himself occupied and interested. And, yeah. and that whole reinventing himself, I think that never really stopped. And you know we have talked. You've already mentioned Black Star, but you know it's very prophetic. You know he knew what was happening to him, and you can read so much yeah. into it. And just for for benefit for you guys, Darren, the band we saw um, yeah. absolutely Bowie. Um, oh yes, yeah, yeah. They're, they're live streaming tonight for seven quid.
1: Are right.
0: they? Yeah, they've got a credit in the, yesterday's Times, I think, as uh, as something to watch this weekend.
1: Oh wow. Oh, okay. I might do that. They were really good, weren't
0: they? They were really good. They were really good. And I think I said, there's a friend of mine who's lives at Doncaster Way. Megan, she can't. A friend of uh, the other two. Um, we're going to meet up and go and see Absolute Bowie when, when, uh, when we can, when we're allowed to. Yeah, good. Okay. Yeah. I
1: should have gone. I, mean, I was going to see him the year um, he played Glastonbury. And right. due
0: to various family circumstances, I, I had a ticket but I
3: couldn't go. So oh, I a on that
2: and I'm gutted about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm hearing.
1: The, you can get the album of that life, Daz. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, I
0: need yeah. to get that one. Definitely. Yeah. Guys, that's uh, two songs we've done. That's two artists we've done.
1: Yeah, um, I'm getting
0: Mark, over to you with your third choice.
3: Well, I've, I've got a chap called uh, Colin Bannis James Gerard Owens to thank uh, mm-hmm. uh, for this one. Uh, basically, back in the early '90s, I um, sat my A levels, flunked them first time round, monumentally, uh, much to the chagrin and shock of my um, uh, my teachers, they couldn't believe it, and. Um, I ended up repeating my A-levels and getting uh, a better outcome second time round. But I shared this experience with a guy called Colin Owens. And uh, now, uh, I believe, a cardiologist up in, in the Royal Victoria in Belfast. Uh, Colin went to, uh, I think it was Guernsey uh, with another friend of mine, Kevin Connell. Uh, they went out there to work in the summer. They came back and Colin came back with um, uh, a semi-acoustic guitar. And I used to sit in his bedroom whilst we were repeating our A's and uh he would stick on a bit of this band and learn their tunes i mean he, he learned them uh, quite proficiently Um he was he, he came a dab hand he just uh, played it from scratch the band in question is led zeppelin can't get enough of them um you know you talk about great uh collaborate collaborative uh, songwriters lennon mccartney uh elton john bernie top and mick jagger keith Richards. now you've got cage and plant and uh and plant were just epic. Uh, I think Kids did the music, uh, Plant did the, um, uh, the, the lyrics. And just from the, from the, the, the first uh, album in, I think it was 68, Led Zeppelin one, <clears throat> they came out with some absolute crackers. And I just remember hearing them for the first time, thinking, you know, <laughs> how formidable the sound was. Uh, you know, when you listen to John Bonham on drums, He is, for me, the greatest drummer of all time, I would say. I mean, others others will will, um, contest that. But uh, you mentioned Simple Minds earlier. I think Simple Minds drummers are heavily influenced by John Bonham. And, yeah, they're they're just some cracking hits. Uh, Good times, bad times, days confused. Led Zeppelin 2 you'd think, well, can they better that? Uh, They equaled it. And my favourite, Led Zeppelin three, which is much more acoustic, Uh, If if someone was to say to me, who would you, or or what album would you pick to be introduced to Led Zeppelin, I would go, uh, I would default to Led Zeppelin 3. It's easier on the ear, shall we say. Um, And then I think for me, they they dwindled after Physical Graffiti in 1975. Physical Graffiti, I think, was their, I guess, the peak of the mountain. Um, you, You had... Epics uh, is to say that uh, Queen mixed uh, Kashmir to, to um, uh, make innuendo in 91. Kashmir though, uh, what a song trampled underfoot. Uh, you've got Boogie the Stew, uh, every single song on physical graffiti. A, a little story about that. I, I probably mentioned this in the previous series, but um, on my, fin- on my second visit to New York City, I was with a, a good friend of mine, Laura, Laura Gilmore, and by, by about day four, we were just getting a bit pissed off with each other. And <laughs> she went to the Guggenheim, and I jumped in a yellow cab and went to St Mark's Place on on the lower east side of Manhattan. Uh, it's not far from uh, the the UN. And I was looking for the front cover of Led Zeppelin Physical Graffiti, where it was photographed, and I came across this guy, and um, he was he was looking a bit stoned out of his head, to be honest, um, and I, I went up to him, I said, oh, excuse me, do you know where they took the photo for Physical Graffiti? There must be, a, is there a sign or anything like that? And he said, oh, just hold on a minute, and he, he got his, he called it his cell phone, and he rang his pal. And as pal told them, we were actually standing right across from it. And then I went across the road. This guy kindly took a photo for me of me standing on these steps. And as luck would have it, there was a little shop right underneath where I was standing. And it was was called Physical Graffiti. So they have marked it in some way. Uh, So keeping it brief as I can, Led Zeppelin, uh, a huge influence from about the age of uh, 18, 19, and saw me through my A-level repeats and... uh, Through many years of university, I um, yeah, great band. Um, But as I said, after seventy-five, they they went a little bit downhill, and then of course, the demise of John Bonham um, in nineteen eighty. The band split. There have been a few reunions since with John Bonham's son on drums, but um, you know nothing. Nothing will take away from those formative years from about sixty-eight to seventy-five. Funnily enough, Mark, I uh, I had Led Zeppelin two delivered this week. Excellent.
0: Was that inspired by Mark having talked about them the other day?
2: I think it was, um, but I've had my eye in it for a while. I wanted to get the, the, the edition that's got the extra album with it of um, what is called different takes, um, but I haven't heard it yet. Uh, obviously, I knew the, you know, the, you know, the, the first track on the album was uh, the theme to Top of the Pots for years and years. Uh, a lot of love. Yeah, so that's probably how I got it. <laughs> I knew about Led Zeppelin. Um, I think my, my brother was into them, but he uh, he didn't have any albums, as I can recall. I mean, um, the one for me has always been Led Z4. Yeah. Um, so, ah, probably at the time I bought it, because it was in lovely Lilac vinyl when it was re-released. Um, and, um, you, know, um, you know, some great tracks on there. I mean, uh, Stairway to Heaven yeah. is probably That's... not the best track on that album. To be honest,
3: yeah, that's
2: you
3: know. it's one sorry of the biggest not. selling albums. Yeah, it's, 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 sorry to cut over you there. Um, Led Zeppelin four, I didn't mention it, uh, but it goes without saying, it's one of the best selling albums of all time. Mm. E- every single song you've got, when the Levy breaks, and if you're watching documentaries or films, you go, oh, I recognise that, and it's 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 invariably, yeah. you know, it's a Led Zeppelin track, um, going to California, um, Black Dog, Rock and Roll, yeah, Olympics, yeah.
2: Um, okay. um I mean it was lucky enough to be gifted an original copy of Physical Graffiti, you know, with the uh, you know the windows, um yeah, like the 3, the like 3D effect, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yep. And uh and yeah, I really liked um In Through the Outdoor. Really like that album. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, um so I'm so I'm gradually picking them up now, so I've got Led Z bought Led Zeppelin too. If you've got an original Led Zeppelin with the turquoise, with the name Led Zeppelin in turquoise writing, you they you can get a pretty penny for those now. I know I I'm going to go
1: have a look in a minute.
2: Yes, honestly, you could easily raise a grand with you know without really um, you know. I I know somebody uh, who owns a record store in Milton Keynes. Um, record store yeah. in a market. He's got three copies. Um, yeah, you know, they're often out on the on the eBay thing in record collector every every month. There's a feature on you know things selling highly on on eBay, and, and you, you often see that an original copy turquoise writing for three thousand.
1: Cool. Wow. Yeah. Crazy money.
0: Um, nice. Yeah. Great choice, Mark. Great choice. Yeah. Great choice.
1: yeah be, seen them by the way? And I have, never did. I, you have Darren a uh, not Led that No, I've seen Robert Plant, but not never saw Led Zeppelin. <laughs> like, likewise,
3: Darren, you and I have many similarities today. I've seen uh, Robert Plant twice. I saw him in Band of Joy in the Ambrosia Hall, and then I was gifted um, a ticket to see him in the O2. Okay. And uh, it was it was a bit it was a bit of a folksy gathering. Van Morrison, that arch was there. <laughs> and and <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I, I did his usual, walk off the stage. Um <laughs> was there. He was he was absolutely epic. Um, yeah. I think, like like a high wine, he's he, he, he's become better yeah. with with age. He really has. His, his voice is more gravelly now, but um, it's 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 a it's, it's a less streaky voice. He's yeah. done collaborations with Alison Krauss and people like that. Yeah, so see. Seen? Um, I tried to get a ticket for their reunion uh, at the O2, but uh, it was, like it was like getting hands, hands, teeth. Yeah. So. No chance. No chance uh, band. That's as close as I get. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've, I've to see oh, this is a, I don't want to cut too much on the time. Went to see a tribute band in Dunfermline. They were called Stairway to Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. and <laughs> absolutely, Jesus. Worked, guys going up to them at the end. Can I get your autograph? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. And it's like I thought. like tapped this lad on the shoulder and said, "Look, it's not yeah. an It's yeah. it's a guy with really
1: long hair." Dude. Uh, <laughs> I think
3: the <laughs> Yeah,
1: I think my bad. The one I saw called "Whole Lot of Zap." I think.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, while I think about
2: it, uh, uh, would you be able to send me a signed uh, autograph picture of you, Mr. Ball? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> your biggest, uh... Yes. Well, oh. Well, oh, we're we're getting there. we have nearly done one round of us. It's over to David, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So <laughs> thank you. Look, my my band, I think Alan, you started off um with nineteen seventy seven when you started talking about simple minds. Um mine is Fairly similar kind of time. Um, I became aware of the Talking Heads in 1978 when more songs about building and buildings and food came out. So again, it was that fairly new wave, very different sound. Um, kind of wondering if we were we would have been in the same or, or nearly the same school year, would have been talking to each other because we kind of found slightly different paths music wise. But uh, so I'd be interested in how that would work out. Um, but I, that really inspired me. I, I loved that album. Then then they had Fear of Music when they started going in a, a slightly different direction. So you know, for people who don't know the Talking Heads, they were post-punk. They had some art rock elements which came out more. They introduced funk um, and quite a worldly sound as well. And with uh, Mr. Byrne at the helm, got into some of the avant-garde which he certainly took forward himself when he started doing his own music. And and then for me, you know, the, the great catalyst was really the Remaining Light album, which I saw in 1980. And for me, the importance of that album is that it, it brought together so many different elements. So obviously you had the four band members who were at the height of their sort of the the music they were bringing together. But in addition, they had Brian Eno who joined in, and I I seem to recall hearing that he was trying to get credits for being a musician in the band when that was being pulled together. And they also included in there Adrian Ballou, who's this fantastic guitarist who you can hear on um, Zapper albums. He's been in several iterations of King Crimson. He played on a number of Bowie albums. And he also joined the Tom Tom Club, which is another of the ventures. Um, and also, they, they introduced it in their sound, which they'd started towards the end of, or as part of Fear of Sound, is this Afrobeat sound. So, from there, that really got me into understanding how, or having this, this love for the Afrobeat. So, uh, inspired by Fila Kuti, Um and when they were live, they had uh, Bernie Worrell from Funkadelic Parliament in there. And they also had Nona Hendrix who joined them. So there's this great amalgam of all these different musical sounds, which never left me, clearly. And again, what I found is a lot of the music that I picked up in the earlier days is they all then, by chance, I guess, they went off and did various side projects. So you obviously had the likes of Tina Weymouth and Chris France, the... Um, two of the members who created the Tom Tom Club. Um, there was a time I think there's a little bit of falling apart. David Byrne I think he ran the band very autocratically, and uh, they were needed a bit of a breather. So the two of them went off and and created the Tom Tom Club and had some good success with that. Uh, Jerry Harrison went off and and did his own thing, but then you had David Byrne who stuck together with Brian Eno um, and the the first. Release they had was this. I don't know how you describe my life in the bush of ghosts. It's where they take radio clippings from all sorts of different, um, different worlds, different radio stations, and then they layer it um, with music all around it. So you've got a live exorcism in there. You've got sort of Moroccan singing in there, and then it's just very, just really hit my. My, my sweet spot. Um, and then of course, David Byrne has been involved in many solo projects. He's had some side ventures with with um, a number of other people. And I've got my friend, Martin Cook, who has seen American Utopia, which is a sort of uh, live, live show that has had great success in, in New York. Um, I'd love to be able to see it sometime. Martin has seen it four or five times, I think. So I must treat myself to the DVD uh, of that, where he does some of his own songs. He does some of the talking head stuff. There's some new material, but it's not only just musical. It's also very visual. So it's got um, choreographed and people dressed a bit like he would have in his gray suits. But for me, if we're talking about bands that influence me, that's right up there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think at the time 78 um a big single was psycho killer wasn't it oh yeah yeah i mean that was that was great it was um you know again a little bit, bit quirky bit different you know and and, and especially now you had the american you know twang as well yeah. to it. um and um yeah great band and then gradually over the years I, you know i'm getting getting their back catalog um I, think I bought um uh, I also bought a solo album Jerry Harris Jerry Harrison
0: yeah yeah was it black and red yeah something like that
2: okay uh, no it's the one with his face on I think
0: yeah yeah I've, I've oh. got yeah I've got well you might have done more yeah. than one but I've, I've, I've got one of yeah. those
2: I can't remember the actual uh, title of that one but
0: yeah.
2: yeah and of course I love the you know the bass playing as well oh yeah um, Tina Wayne um yeah I mean she's great great bass player and um, you know, that's one of the things I really look out for um, you know is the, the sound of the bass so I like the, like the, uh, I like the strangler so much
0: um, I think can't forget also so, Alan a lot of the bands that uh, they would have sort of worked with or, or would have come across you know they were part of that early CBGB crowd. Um, mm. So I, I can't remember all the bands, but it would have been had the Ramones, you'd have had Blondie, you know, lots of different influences in there. So yeah. I think they all sparked each other, and, and I'm yeah, just love it.
2: I'm probably sorry, Dave. Yeah, probably a little bit older than we that I remember. You know, they were um, they, these weren't teenagers. <laughs> you know, they, they you know they've been around. They were they were great musicians in themselves. Um, so yeah, I got a lot of. We've got a lot of love for Talking Heads.
0: Excellent.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I think I've said before they're a band that I'm aware of. I've heard bits and bobs. I've got a couple of LPs, but um I really do need to explore them further, especially after the glowing recommendation you guys are giving them.
3: <laughs> yeah, happy. I would.
1: I, I, um, I put I put my CDs up.
3: Um, there were renovations going on in the house, and so I put all my CDs up in the loft and one that i left down was talking head stop making sense and it's it's played out it's the only cd i have downstairs the, <laughs> it's in the car at the minute and i just love listening to uh psycho killer um slippery people running down the house a uh, great album great talent uh, and a great choice well well done david
0: Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's a vinyl I really want to pick up at some point, but it's not cheap. It's not easy. I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed they're going to reissue it one day, whether it be uh, in this year or in the next three four years. Yeah. Maybe in two thousand and twenty three. Was it eighty three? It came out. Yeah. Uh,
3: did you Did you mention American Utopia? You did. I did. did yeah. You? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that lately on the TV. It looks quite impressive. He's he's put into that, isn't he? He's quite theatrical.
0: It's it's a side of him which I think he has embraced, and it, it's great to see some of these different things that he's done. He's he's done a lot of community projects. Um, was it Psycho Killer? I'm just trying to remember. He he got a whole uh, a whole audience of people into like a community hall, uh, and there was sort of d- several different choirs in there, and got everyone to 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 sing. I think it was Psycho Killer. On there just getting everyone to enjoy you know to enjoy and celebrate and um, be working together so i think he's, he's always enjoyed that and, and i just remembered he's also been involved in the is it the flag waving competitions that they have in the states the universities so yeah he's a patron of that so here we go right let's let's move on now so darren you're up with number four
1: is it we started with alan didn't
0: we Aust- sorry you're right we started with alan sorry to cut you out alan you're you're in again
1: <laughs> was that was it <laughs> was it deliberate
0: <laughs> to catch him out no uh,
1: yeah it'll be down to time man <laughs> sorry guys just
2: had some sad bad news there Don't, uh, anyway sorry um yes onwards and upwards um just got it no I've known the name of this band for a number of years, uh, you know, going back into the 70s, um, but airy-fairy stuff, I thought, you know, um, with a name like that, what does it mean? It's not for me. Um, but then in about uh, 1982, uh, I was living in London, and I was listening to the radio, as you do, one one morning you know, before going to work, and there's a Trap played, it was lasted about six minutes. And uh, I thought well, this is really great. Like this. What who's this? And at the end um, the chap said that sounds so that's, that's uh, by Donald Fagan uh, from Steely Dan. That's... Doesn't sound like my memory of why re- you know Steely Dan. Who are they? Um, and that got me into um, an album that he had released um, at that time called The Nightfly. Um, I didn't actually buy the album straight away. I bought a 12-inch single of the track that I uh, heard on the on the radio, which I now know uh, and love to be uh, New Frontier. And um, so a couple of years later then, uh, probably six years later, in fact, um, when CDs started coming out, I remember um, being down in Chelsea one evening. I think it was my wife's wife leaving when she was going to go on maternity leave. And, um, you know, as usual, if I went to anywhere, I would always, you know, seek out the local record stop, shop. And sure to be there, our price was not far from Chelsea Town Hall branch. And um, so I went in and I picked up... Um, um, a copy of the, the album called uh, "The Night Fly um, on CD. And uh, for our regular listeners, you may uh, recall me uh, uh, recommending this album as one of the uh, Hollywood 100s in episode three, I think of season one last year. And um, basically on the back of um, hearing this out this track on the radio, I've now become a fantastic, um, I've now sort a of fantastic, I've become a, a real, real fan of uh, Steely Dan, their back catalogue, etc. And um, so much that, you know, I've actually been to, actually seen them, I was lucky enough to see them live four times. Um, and the last time was, was sad because um, it was about a month, a month um, after... The co-founder of Steely Dan, had passed away, Walter Becker. So, um, but yeah, they've. If, if you don't know, they've got a fantastic back catalogue. Um, started around about 1973, um, and they have. They don't have a an enormous amount of back catalogue, uh, but the the actual material is first class um they had a history of um especially with um, their album asia i think they took about the best part of a year to record that um yeah but going back um you know that the tracks off asia are, are, are fantastic and things like deacon blue um which band do you think got there? name on, on <laughs> yeah that track? absolutely
3: um, but yeah
2: they they, they they're, again they from what I've uh, you know from going back and you know researching they they, they were more of like a cult band um America uh, made basically from from New York um, these guys got together and they originally started off um you know under the name of Beckham beon and Fager. But, try saying that Becker and Fagan, um, <laughs> they, they, they started off um, doing uh, soundtracks for, 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 you know, um, uh, films that really didn't go anywhere. But um, uh, And then that more and more then they, they decided to record their, you know, go together and form a band and they chose Steely Dan and uh, that, the actual name comes from... The film Barbarella. Uh, that was the name of um, Barbarella's sex toy. What um, oh, is it? Damn! So lose your lose your imagination. And, is this uh, is this
3: um, Is this for you, uh, shows, instead of an album? You show us a steely Dan <laughs> <laughs> All I can do for now is show you uh, that.
0: Uh, okay. No, okay. no, don't. People won't know what you're showing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a picture of uh, put that, yeah put picture that steaming of down <laughs> <laughs> uh, no they're great great band got, um, I'm not going to go through all the whole of the albums but I mean they, they, they the, the, you know you, you'll probably know more tracks than you actually than you think you know um, cause, and um, I particularly like uh, you know apart from Asia Gaucho uh, which came out in 1980 um is a great one and an actual fact they, they went from about nine from nineteen from 1980 i think through mm-hmm. to about uh 2000 before they you know they reached their they uh released their new their next album um two against nature um and i saw them live on that tour um at wembley arena and uh then their final album they brought out was uh, the, the Last mile called The Last mile, And but uh, yeah, I just really recommend you, you know, this band, um, you know, just listen to that track on the radio, you know, changed, you know, I might not have been sitting here talking about them now if they haven't really been for that particular moment. Um, now, now thinking back, I remember. Uh, when I worked in the ice cream parlour in uh, Temby and Feshi's ice cream parlour during the summer, and uh, about 77 78, um, the track that, that a lot of people would know um, is it's just remind yourself of it gone out of my mind suddenly. Um, Ricky, don't lose that number. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, I was just going to say I don't know any of her songs, but I do. <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah. You, you do know. It. Um, and um, yeah, I remember the the one of the well, the owner's daughter, uh, Francesca. She she kept playing this track and now I know it's. I know I know it's Steely Dan, you know, and and I'm thinking, why why wasn't I, buying that material as it came out? Why did I? I don't know, but you know. You know, I was I was following a different path, time uh, as you know, you said on previous episode, punk has just started. Um, but I really would recommend. Uh, and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, from from this, then I've you know I've gone off. Um, well, Donald Fagan has released quite a number of his own solo albums, and their their the, the production um, sound quality is, is second to none. Um, so I just really recommend. Um, you know exploring a couple of the you know the, the early stuff and um again despite their they not massive output still quite a collectible band um number of uh very rare colored vinyl pressings
3: to, to go after um yeah great band
2: yeah
1: it was sorry mark carry
3: on sorry no it was it was actually last week we spoke about uh, santana and Mr. Turner introduced me to Santana. It was actually Alan who introduced me to uh, Sackler and Dagan. <laughs> Did I get that right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dilly was, Stan. Was, the ball. Yeah. Uh, I, it was actually you that recommended the, the night flight to me. And I went out yeah. and bought it and loved it. And uh, uh, one of the earlier vinyls I bought was uh, Steely Dan Asia. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they have some wonderful tracks, Wheeling in the Ears, uh, Do It Again, Haitian Divorce, and Rookie Don't Lose That Number. Uh, people think they've never heard of them. And then suddenly you, you, you listen to their greatest hits, you think, oh, I have heard of them. Yeah. So i have you to thank this week, Alan, for uh, introducing me to Steely oh, Dunn right. and Shaper and Dagan.
2: You're very welcome. And um, Dad, as you say, you never heard of them. Uh, w- uh, the track, uh, there was a, a mix-up of Michael Jackson's Beat It. Right. And Do It Again.
1: Okay, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Do, do you know that? That rings fell, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where, that's where that come and That was, um, was what, right, okay. Um, I've heard, weirdly, I've heard The Nightfly, because apart from yourself promoting it, um, we had one of our guests on season one. Uh, I forget his name, David, in front of yours. The DJ, wasn't it?
0: oh yeah, yeah. No, um james, james curry
1: yeah james oh. Curry. he also recommended the night fly oh so, so i listened like to them. it and I, believe, I think i picked up a copy as well and that is a brilliant album yeah really good
2: yeah no it's no doubt um and the cover is i just love the cover for those watching at home again oh I see what I, yeah yeah. yeah
1: it's brought yeah. a steely darno again. again.
3: yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I love that good choice
0: good choice excellent
1: one i'll explore so darren
0: are you ready for your turn now
1: yeah okay <laughs> let's do it okay
2: so try, it tight, try to keep it tight darren trying to keep it tight
1: of course as always <laughs> <laughs> so this one there's a, a bit of a theme with my two today which wasn't intended um but the lead singer of this band is another guy which um sadly left us far too early and um, the band were originally known as the Farris Brothers, formed in Australia, um, known worldwide as In Excess. Um, I think this band have been with me since a very young age. I think I must have heard them, first of all, when I was kind of 10 years old, something like that. One of the early albums. Um, I think Underneath the Colors was the first album that I bought. But this band, this one album that I'm going to talk about, first of all, which... For, it's quite unusual, I think, for most bands to have, uh, I think it was their sixth or seventh album, uh, was Kick. And Kick's one of those albums that I can put on anytime, whatever mood I'm in. Um, there's not many albums where I kind of listen to a track on it and I know exactly what's coming up next. And I start singing the next song before it's even started playing. You don't need the intro because I'm forming the intros. Um, and it's just such a fantastic album from start to finish. Um, Guns in the Sky, Need You Tonight Media, there's so much on there Um, if anybody listening hasn't had the pleasure of hearing it I'm very jealous because you can hear it for the first time, so enjoy Um, also I've had the pleasure of seeing them many many times Um, back in the early 90s was when they were sort of touring a lot over here I saw them first in 1990 which was in My mate Jay will kill me if I get this wrong, but I think it was Bournemouth I first saw them, the DIC, Bournemouth International Centre. Then Summer Excess came a year later at Wembley Stadium. Um, Bit of a story. um, We actually, weirdly, my brother kind of made it into Select Magazine at Summer Excess, but only because he threw a sandwich at somebody's back. So you had, you know, um, when you're at. Sorry? As you do. Yeah, well, you know when you're at a big concert venue, somebody gets up on his mate's shoulders, takes his clothes off, and you can't see anything of because there's this half-naked man in front of you. So my brother thought he'd just lobbed his sandwich, which kind of slid down this guy's back. The bloke turned round, gave us the bird, just as the obviously the photographer from Select was there, and this photograph of this guy giving the bird with Michael Hutchins singing just behind him. Made it into Sunnet <laughs> magazine. So yeah, we, we kind proud. of on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a great gig. I mean, apart from In Excess that day, we had Jellyfish, Deborah Harry, House Flowers. It's just a fantastic day out. And it was boiling hot, I seem to remember as well. So just a great day. Um, and now I saw them a few times. Brixton Ac- oh, I saw them in 1993 at my two favourite venues, Brixton Academy and the London Forum. And such small, intimate venues for a band like that. Unbelievable. And we just got in early, went to the front. And Michael Hutchins uh, rest his soul, what a fantastic front man. Um, it's probably highly controversial, but I, I would put him up there as a front man along, alongside the likes of Freddie Mercury and Bono. And I just think he had so much stage presence. For, for a chap that was actually quite shy in real life. But um, on stage, took on a completely different persona. So I must have seen them seven or eight times. And uh, <laughs> the, the London Forum one, actually, in 1993, there's a little bit of a story attached to that because then me and a mate went up and had nowhere to stay. We just thought, oh, we're in the middle of London. Uh, we had nowhere of getting home, nowhere to stay. So we thought we'd better start chatting to some people. Chatted to some lovely ladies um, who ended up very kindly putting us up for the night oh well wow. uh, enough said about that I won't delve any deeper into that story but, <laughs> but that was brilliant um, we saw briefly saw Michael Hutchins a couple of times jumping on his bus and he gave us a high five at the front of one of the gigs I think that was at Brixton Academy and it's just one of those bands that I'm so so pleased I've seen um, managed to meet the rest of the band in 2007. Because they replaced, uh, well, you can't replace Michael Hutchins, but they decided to continue with a guy called J.D. Fortune. Uh, I think he was, I'm not sure where he came from, whether he won an American talent show or something like that. I think they did their own show to search for a lead singer. Um, Not quite the same, but it was a good chance. That was Bristol in what used to be Colston Hall, which we're not allowed to call it anymore. (laughs) But uh, yeah. Yeah, so, and it was nice to meet the band. I got one of my CDs signed by the rest of the band and that sort of thing. And my mate Jay has seen them the same amount of times as me, but he missed one of the gigs that I went to. But he also got to see them in Toronto and met Michael. So he was extremely chuffed. Um, but yeah, so another, another front man that left us far too soon. And they've had, for me, I mean, they've had a couple of albums that were quite panned quite severely by the critics, but for me they're all superb. I you guys. What do you
3: think? Yeah, uh, excellent choice. Uh, Kick especially reminds me of of great times at school, and it um, was a good friend back then. A guy called Jared Morgan, he got a mention last week. and uh, he uh, Fred introduced me to NXS And they had something. There were four US top. Our number ones off that one album, um, Need You Tonight, Devil in Say New Sensation, Never Tear Us Apart. Yeah. And then they had a follow up album, I think. was it with the RTN Boys band on the front cover? With what? Sir? Um the, the RTN Boys band. You know the band that comes out before. Oh, and yeah, style? that was
1: a few albums later. Yeah, that was uh Welcome yeah. to
3: Wherever You Are, I think. That's that's the one. Yeah. And, and and that's um yeah, that attracted me to that album as well because obviously the RTN Boys band are quite famous uh, back in Ireland and the Republic anyway. Yeah. Great, great choice. Great choice. And uh, Hutchinson and Mercury did cross paths on a number of occasions and, and were good buddies. Yeah. Yeah, they were indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Great choice. Great choice,
1: Dan. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Great. Well, up. Up. I was going to say as well, just
3: one more thing. Yeah. I met a guy who was best pals with Jimmy Barnes. Oh, right. So... Yeah, Jimmy Barnes, He um, we're going to have a good time tonight, yeah. rock and roll music, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. He the did Lost, that too like, with an extension. Yeah, The Lost Boys, uh, yeah. the film. This guy was sitting to me, and he's like, uh, I know somebody famous. He was absolutely smashed out of his hands. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> oh, do you now? I, well, I think we all know somebody famous. And he said, you'll never guess. And uh, anyway, I, I got it down to Michael Hutchins, and he says, no, no, you're close to Jimmy Barnes. So he was best buddies with Jimmy Barnes. And I uh-huh. thought to myself, "Well."
1: What was he doing on a hovel in Edinburgh? What was I doing on a hovel in Edinburgh? Yeah,
0: love it. Yep. <laughs> David, are you a fan? Yeah, I've got I've got um, Listen Like Thieves and Kick and Who Couldn't Love Them as a band. Um they were great. Never obviously didn't get into them as deeply as you did, but I do remember that when we Claire and I and a friend Cookie went to Prague, um, we went yeah. looking for all of the sites where they filmed suicide blonde
1: oh yes
0: so to, yeah. uh, and in those days there was no marketing you, it was difficult to to get around it was it was very early days so i think you probably find guided tours to to do that now but um yeah. you know great band loved them a lot
2: did they film it david
0: in, prague. in in prague so around the bridges up towards the castle you know oh, uh, really? you know is it Wenceslas Square, and, and, and I forget the name of the bridge. It's it it all chain over. Bridge. Yeah, I oh, think it was, saying. yeah.
2: No, no, the... I know what you mean. There's
0: gothic, a gothic one. Very
2: yeah,
0: good. Quite, yeah. Right.
2: Yeah, I bought Kick. Yeah, I bought... I think that was... At the time, I think it was one of the first CDs to come out, which was DDD. Digitally recorded, digitally, but digitally, okay. yeah. yeah, but yeah, I love that. I mean, you, um, fantastic album from start to finish, as you say. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, and it was re-released a couple of years ago. Did you get that Daz, the red vinyl one?
1: Yeah, that's the one No, the Half Speed mastered one.
2: Yeah, and also then a couple of years after that, or maybe not even that long, the, the nice green
1: colour. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah lovely yeah so it I, I, yeah it's a great album from start to finish
1: i've gone a bit uh, crazy on this album I, I think i own six different copies of it
2: yeah <laughs> i think there was a cd set as well
1: yeah i've got that happened. as
2: well yeah no <laughs> uh it's a shame he you know, he, you know yeah he too soon um yeah obviously
1: still yeah. not sure are we we're still not sure he it meant it or whether it was a accident or yeah um, yeah it was an accident yeah sad times yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, and he was um it was quite close to kylie minogue wasn't he yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah they dated for a while yeah that's the closest i got to meeting him really i met kylie minogue once and sat down and had a drink with her at reading festival
2: <laughs> did you
1: i didn't mention michael <laughs> yeah. Oh, right.
2: yeah yeah um yeah and you mentioned some good venues there um the brixton academy The forum is that in Kentish Town? Oh, now it was then renamed, yeah, it was renamed to something different. Now I'm not even sure it's still open. Oh, well, none of them are open, but no, I
1: mean, they're all, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I I, I hadn't been to um, Brixton Academy, uh, and then suddenly I went twice in a couple of months uh, to see the spranglers and, um, and, uh. The, the, oh, yeah, which you don't see live very often.
1: Oh. No, they're a good band as
2: well, yeah. yeah. Anyway, very good. Who's choice next?
0: Whose choice? So, we're on to Mark now. I think everyone knows what's coming, Mark, but um, I'll let you do your own intro.
3: Yeah, I think anybody that knows me, uh, knows that I absolutely love, worship, and adore this band, uh, Queen, they have been. Um, a massive part of my life ever since I, I think I was about seven years old. Properly get into them. Bought my first um, single when I was about ten. I remember vaguely, vaguely, I was four years old, nineteen seventy-seven. Um, we are the champions, but on the TV, and thinking at the age of four or five, just been caught by that sound, and um, then the 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 first song proper that hooked me was Radio Gaga. Um, we talk about. Great songwriting collaborations like Lena McCartney. Every single one of these guys had at least one. They had at least two top three hits. Um, having written them. For example, John Deacon on bass wrote another one by dust I want to break free. Taylor had a kind of magic. Radio Gaga, Mer- Mercury and May. What, what can you say about that? There was those two? Um, I i have to say yeah 83 i think it was 83 radio gaga came on the tv and i thought i, I just love this, this sound and from that moment on uh for the life of me i can't remember this lovely guy i went to the abbey, abbey grammar in newry this guy went to St. coleman's college and um we, we we got to know each other i don't know how the heck we got to know each other but he had like dozens of bootlegs um, from gigs and i I'd, I'd sit in his living room and we'd listen to these bootlegs until I could afford to um, go down to Woolworths and and buy uh, a Queen album, uh, the first Queen album I actually could afford for myself was was um, Live Magic on tape, and I'm sure I still have that somewhere. Um, I don't know. What, I don't know what else to say uh, apart from I did take a day off school on on Monday the 25th of November, the day after Freddie passed away. I I was devastated, and still now I can't watch a um, a program without shedding a tear. Uh, some some of them have been over eggs. <clears throat> some of them are a bit twee. Uh, but there, there, there are some lovely memories of, of them there. And, and particularly um, Innuendo, the, the last album, uh, Why Steve Was Alive, and then the Posthumous album, um, just... Or posthumous songs, sort of say after after he died. Uh, you know, these are the days of our lives, and uh, then the the, the posthumous album itself, helping for everyone. When you think about what he went through, what he was going through, whilst um, helping with those songs in the studio, it, it just um it def- defies, uh you know defies uh, you know any emotion that I, I can conjure up. Uh, the, the strength of character and will that kept them going to, to write such wonderful songs, and I think they did write some fantastic songs right up to the end, um, considering you know what they went through. And uh, they had they had a few dodgy periods, like Hot Space. Uh, <laughs> mm. It was a more a disco type album. Uh, I think it was mainly inspired by John John Deacon and, and Freddie. They thought, well, another one based Sidus was a massive massive hit. Let's go down the um, uh, the the, the boogie disco. Uh, pass hugely backfired in the United States uh, when Friday came out as being gay or uh, the, the Midwest didn't like that they lost a huge popularity in, in the US but the only what they lost in the US they gained in South America mid 80s, massive always been big in Japan huge in Japan in the 70s, 80s, 90s and uh, well, what more can you say about uh, arguably one of the greatest bands ever, ever rocked the planet
2: yeah, I'm with you 100% there, Mark. Um, I remember when, uh, especially when, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody came out and there was a number one, I think, for was it eight or nine weeks? And uh, at that time, I was, uh, I was heavily into Cebutio, playing Cebutio with my mate, Di Spencer. And uh, we used to have a league going. So every night, you know, after school, Either he would come to my house or inevitably I would go to his, and um, he was lucky in his bedroom to have a um, portable black and white telly. So we had the Cebucio pitch down, and then obviously every Thursday, then Top of the Pops came on, and for weeks on end, uh, you know, the Behemoth Rhapsody was number one, so fantastic video. Uh, you know, in mm-hmm. itself, there's probably not many people in the world uh, who are adults who not, will not know the term Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, you know, they're that famous. Um, but yeah, they've got some. They've got some great albums. Um, I remember say, buying, um, you know, the the album that you know, featured uh, We Are the Champions. Uh, oh, yes, buying, yeah. I, I remember that right. News of the world. Yeah. Um, I remember that day because um, I was involved in a car crash. It was November the 5th, 1977. Oh. And uh, I bought the album um, from uh, from Woolies in Pembroke. And uh, yeah, it wasn't a massive, serious crash, but, you know, when you are quite young, you know, I was only maybe about 15 at the time,
3: yeah.
2: uh, but it uh, made a lasting impact on me. and. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, particularly, you know, then before that, Killer Queen, I can remember playing that to death. I didn't know it, it was my sister. Um, but I just played it to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can, I can sing the whole thing now for you, but I won't. i leave that to you <laughs> But yeah, they, they've got a fantastic legacy and, you know, I was pleased to, uh, perform as, uh, Brian May at, um, one of the uh
3: i remember this (laughs) i remember this oh jesus christ i was i was cringed i was cringing for alan this day oh my god come on
0: i can't remember what was it
3: yeah
2: yeah yeah in when we were working up in gogerburn uh for a famous high street bank um in the head the head office there we we we're all working in the same team, and uh, there was an, a kind of an away day uh, conference um, where the you know the big wigs of the, the team would uh, stand up and say that bit, and there were various uh, you know usual team building a- exercises. Uh, I don't know how this came about, but I suddenly phoned up um, get his name in there. Um, I can't think his name no menu, I phoned the guy and said, look, if you're looking for stuff, in, stuff to do on the day, um, you know, just, you know, maybe fill in time, what about, <laughs> just, what about if I uh, dress up as Brian May from Queen um, and have a guitar and all the black curly hair and have three uh, dancing dollies behind me? I remember that. Oh. And uh, which is Marie, <laughs> Marina, Marina, and it was uh, Karen, um,
3: Karen, and Catherine Thompson, and Catherine.
2: Three lovely ladies.
3: Yeah, say.
2: great girls. Yeah, and uh, you know, up for it. And um, so um, he said, "Yeah, make it happen." And uh, the thing was, at the time, the strap line for our department was, uh, "It was all about being customer driven." And so we did uh, perform the uh, Brian Mays, Driven By You. Uh, oh, brilliant. Thanks, and man. I can see the look on my uh, the head of uh, where we were at the time, Ken Chorley. His face was on the floor. He could not believe what he was seeing. <laughs> uh, he was, you know, great sport. And um, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I have the acted as Brian May.
3: Yeah, you, uh, do you remember that, David? Were you there? I think he, he I was. He just
0: left. As I as Did I just left. There? Yeah, I wasn't sure. I think he sure.
3: just oh, no. left, David. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of big words, I, I have to say I'll I'll never forget that. It, it was it's indelibly marked in my mind. Uh, Alan, Alan Jones making an absolute arse of himself in front of like fifty <laughs> people. Hey, <Yeah>. oh, <laughs> uh, what like do you think treat. <laughs> He might as well to be able was, to laugh at yourself I, I have to give. I have to give the story. I know the way we say. We didn't. Uh, you know. Did you see your, your favorite band live? Uh, I, I think I have said this one. My my mum had. Uh, I had a ticket to go to see them in Slane, and uh, this a sixteen year old lassie and I was like thirteen. Uh, a girl called Karen. She said she'd look after me, and my mum said absolutely no way, under no condition. And that was my. She says you'll get to see them again of course, five years later, he was dead. And um, I just remember the headlines of, of the Newry Reporter the following week was, Newry Man Dies at Queen Concert, something like that. And, and, you know, uh, And my mum said, see, that could have been you. And I, I said, and I'm like, <laughs> first of all, the guy, the guy was drunk, right? He didn't have a ticket. And what he tried to do was he tried to swim across the River Boyne, which runs through Droghane and, and past Slane tried to r- r- uh, swim across the river boyne and then trying trying because he was intoxicated and uh, i said well m- number one i had a ticket i number two i can't swim <laughs> you <laughs> you know, I don't like yeah i definitely wouldn't have been in there so um every christmas until until uh, she passed away four years ago five years ago come up and um, god rest her uh, I-, I always brought it up at christmas dinner you never let me go to the Queen concert. Oh, just uh, uh, give it a rest,
1: Mark. Give it a rest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brilliant. I, think I just kind of think when I first sort of discovered Queen, really, and I think I'm going to have to put myself down as the Radio Gaga generation. I think that was probably my first, either that or Flash Gordon. But yeah, I remember yeah. sitting on my Atari, playing some ridiculous game, and listening to Radio Gaga So Yeah. yeah. Was, yeah. Good
3: times. Alan, yeah, do you remember which you
0: one? Know. I was going to say, Alan, do you Sorry. remember which one that you heard first? Because I, I've got uh, Seven but, Seas Arise is the one that really struck me. No,
2: it was Killer Queen.
0: Right.
2: It was Killer Queen for me. Um, and just going back to what you said, Darren, about Radio Gaga. Yeah. Um, when I, I worked in um, Finchley Road Station branch, and my uh, friend, my colleague there, is now been friend for, well, since not well, 20 41 years he apart from you mark is the biggest queen fan uh that i knew and uh, he was a member of the fan club at the time and um there was a draw i don't know there was um somehow he got a he got selected to go along and be in the radio gaga video uh, because you remember with every all the, all the, the people clapping. And they all had the same uniform on and things like that so he had the, he had this opportunity to go in and, and do this be part of the video and uh the sub-manager at the branch wouldn't let him have the day off no, he, kidding. he wouldn't let him have the day off oh he was absolutely sick as a pig uh, and i always re- take the whenever i meet up with him yeah using <laughs> lupin now um whenever we get together i, I I always bring that up. <laughs> it was sad at the time, but, you know, looking back, it was... Um, yeah. guy. Who needs yeah. So, it's a shout-out to Arun Kallik, now known as Harry Kalick.
0: Nice one. Brilliant. Nice one. Okay, guys, let's move on to the last one, then, for uh, this round. Mark, I know that you and Chopper always questioned my musical tastes and didn't know where I was going to land, and... Um, I had that rather obscure gift from you that was in there when I did leave, obviously just a little bit before Alan did his performance of three CDs and a very new world and whale music and stuff like that. Um, And and I think I, I had got into some of the trip hop and some of the different music that was around in the early, early noughties. And I did spend a little while just trying to, find what the next kind of music was i was going to listen to and roll on to about 2007 2008 i think it was um we went on a holiday as a family We went over to see claire's sister and and brother-in-law in in vancouver and when i was there um, i was introduced to a band called dream theater so it's a, a big sort of metal band rock band which which sort of reignited my my, my love for heavier music than I'd been listening to for the previous five years. Um when I got back to the got back home and I was already I'd started traveling by then so I had time on my hands when I was traveling away. Um I actually then started exploring other metal bands and ended up then listening to the top one hundred bands which appeared in uh the prog archives um selection of you know the the most listen to bands the ones that people have voted for. So I made it sort of a task for myself to listen to all of this different music that was around, informing myself of sort of the prog bands and what they sounded like when they started in the 60s, 70s, and picked up a lot of new bands as well as I went through. And as a result of that whole exercise, I came across a band that uh, was completely new to me. So I was sort of self-discovered. Porcupine Tree. And Sort of Porcupine Tree, I heard In Absentia, um, Dead Wing, Fear of Blank Planet. But, you know, those albums, In Absentia, just an incredible album. They've been going themselves since 1992. Um, Those three albums I mentioned were in the uh, early and mid-noughties. And they were a band, um, it wasn't even his first project, that had been started by Stephen Wilson. So Stephen Wilson, I think still reasonably anonymous, not known to a lot of people, um, outside of those in in certain circles or music listeners. Um, he then in turn started releasing his own solo material from 2008 onwards. And as a result of that, what I found was someone who I grew to love, um, both his Porcupine Tree and he, he was involved in lots of other bands. No Sound was one of them, um, Blackfield, lots of different side projects, working with different people. He was always looking for different inspiration and triggers. Uh, and working with different artists. Part of that, so he would have been part art rock, part ambient, sometimes drone or metal, post-prog. Uh, and then he came out with a couple of albums, uh, The Raven That Refused To Sing in 2013, which felt a bit like a, a very modern version of, or interpretation of um, Alan Parsons and his Edgar Allan Poe Film and if I listen to that, I mean that's six six tracks of complete beauty. Uh, and but then he came up with a completely different song, or album uh, a few years later, a couple of years later. The hand cannot erase, and the, Alan, I think you know that one as well. And I actually yeah. looked at my sort of Spotify playlist, and that's linked to another another apps so I get to see. I mean, I've actually played that one more than the Raven that refused to sing. So so he's he's been part of bands that I absolutely love. In addition to that, he's the go-to man for bands who want to do a 5.1 surround mix. So in addition to doing all of these things, all of his different projects, he has done surround sound mixes for Jethro Toll, for Kim Crimson. He's done uh, Misplaced Childhood for for Marillion, um, did Land of the Grey and Pink for Caravan, um, XTC, Nonsuch, Gentle Giant, and Yes, he's done a lot of the Yes albums. So, you know, in one person, in terms of influences and and... Uh, very much has shaped a lot of my listening now, and when he releases anything, um, I'm delighted to pick it up. And incredibly, whilst we started recording this podcast, the posters arrived, and a certain <laughs> Mr. Jones has kindly managed to get hold of uh, uh-huh, uh, got King Ghost. So, Alan, I'll uh, I'll be sending you the, the, the money through for this, so very difficult to get hold of because it's only available oh, with... Oh. What, nifty color as well um
1: where did you find that one then in the end because i, I looked as well after we
0: spoke um, i
2: spotted it on ebay um uh last saturday evening uh, um it was there um i was basically looking for some good prices for the stephen wilson eps that came out uh, record store day i didn't buy and, and also but anyway um i saw it there it was 10 quid i couldn't believe it buy it now i bought it
1: oh brilliant.
2: Uh, wow. i bought it and i with david in mind and i thought well okay if he in the meantime he's he's got one um you know i can give it to somebody else yeah but, yeah but dave hadn't so um yeah I, I just did it without thinking really um because well, you know right next to it they were selling them um, for you know the magazine and and the the single for uh, 54 quid they wanted. And I, I thought, why is I mean, I just bought it. So, uh, yeah, I was happy to get
0: it for, for him. I'm literally indebted to you. <laughs> um, really, and then of course, just a couple of weeks ago, his latest album was was released, um, The Future Bites, which I've only just actually got around to putting on the turntable and playing this morning, and sonically, acoustic or sonically, the sound is just fantastic. Um, and Alan and I both listened to a podcast um, by the Prog Report, where the, the Stephen Wilson was one of the guests, and you know he wasn't too phased when he was asked to name five, five of his favourite uh, albums in terms of audiophile quality, and he actually quoted his own one, the, the Future Bites, and it just sounds just sounds stunning, absolutely fantastic.
1: He's done well out of us as well. At least
2: seventy-five percent of us, own it? I think, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm going to definitely buy the Blu-ray audio as well. Yeah. If yeah, I'm told the Atmos, Dolby Atmos version of it is fantastic. I nothing. To, I can't yeah. play it Dolby Atmos, but uh, maybe in the future. Um, yeah, you're right. He's. Um, I, I came across him um on the i suddenly realized you know there was a lot of promotion about the hand, hand and not the ray yep, it. yep and um i bought that one on blu-ray uh, and that's really really good and then um i bought after that then the, the to the bone right um and i think then in between um i suddenly became aware that he was in this band called Porcupine Tree. And um, a few years ago on the HMV lim- uh, record days, um, I picked up three colour vinyls, and wow. um, up until last week, I hadn't even got round to playing them. <laughs> um, but, but I played um, for the first time last Saturday, um, the first day, the first Sunday of life, and it's really, really good. I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised, but you know, anything Stephen Wilson does seems to be—I don't know much about the other musicians in Porcupine Tree, but anything he does, he seems to turn his hand to gold, and he's so slowly becoming one of my, you know, go-to listening, um, and um, yeah, and as you say, he's he's been very become very. Uh, famous in being you know, able to um, either re-reco- uh, re-record original albums you mentioned like Jethro quite long, um and also um, amongst the others he's done is the Tears for Fears song from The Big Chair okay uh, yeah so uh, yeah um, very talented very down to earth and actually very local to me because he just lives down the road or used to He lives in in Hemel Hempstead. Um, So, yeah. Great, great, great talent.
0: Brilliant. I I think he's also in the band. He's got um, Richard Barbieri, um, who... Uh, From Japan. From Japan. So, for me, it's a great connection with one of my other favourite bands.
2: Yeah. No, he's he's great. And um, it's good, because I know that there are albums, you know, prior to the ones I've bought, uh, you mentioned a couple there, David, that
3: I, I need to go out and get. Yeah. There's there's one that sold on Black Friday of last year. A limited edition of a single copy of the album of Future Bites on pre order, immediately sold for £10,000. Uh, uh, and
0: yeah, that
3: was a, li- it's a limited edition of one.
2: Yeah. It's called the Ultra Deluxe Edition. Wow. I've actually, I've actually got, um, in as part of that set, um, there is a track which is unique to this set. It's one, there's a seven-inch single, that's about three long, three minutes long. Um, and uh, the the guy who's bought the um, this £10,000 edition um, has actually made a video so the rest of the world can actually hear this song. Uh, it's really good, isn't it, Dad?
1: Yeah, that was really good. When you shared that the other day, it's actually, yeah. it was on the album. It would be one of my favourite tracks. Yeah, really good. I think good. it's a really good
2: track, and it was just yeah. one guy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, fair due to the bloke who's bought it uh, to release yeah. it. Um, I think the box set contains some kind of award, that, the original award that he got for something. Um, and, uh, yeah.
0: Let's just... Let Sorry, I'll just, David. I was just going to say, let's remind ourselves that it was put on that price because uh, Stephen Wilson was raising money for musicians who can't perform. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was going to
2: charity, yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Music on you.
1: Yeah. I read some of the comments below the video, actually, and there was so many people praising the quality of the video. Yeah. They said, um, maybe you should do a collaboration with Stephen Wilson, and I thought, well, you know, that could happen. He might <laughs> put himself in the shop window a bit there. Yeah. I
2: mean, yeah, I mean, he's obviously. Um, I think he works in that. He does. It's not far from you know his day job, I believe. The guy, I can't remember his name. Is bought it, um, but um, yeah, he did a very good job. And obviously, he's got the. He's, I think Stephen actually said, "Well, it's up to you. You can either keep it for yourself, or you can release it to the world. You know, it's, you know, you're the consumer." which yeah. is the, the which is one that's of the right. themes that's running through this album yeah. consumerism you've consumed it it's up to you now how you yeah. um, you know you do with what you now own
3: yeah yeah interesting i'm, I'm looking i'm looking at his chart positions uh for the future bites and uh, he, he's not too popular in ireland he, he he's peaked at 88. however <laughs> in scotland he picked at number two, so he's obviously got a big following north of the border. Wow! Yeah. Uh, you get mixed up with Jockey Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. You, yeah. can
1: one, you can have that okay. one. You
0: can have that one. Excellent, but well, that's 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 great. Um,
1: yeah, good choice, we David. Made, made, a,
2: yeah. 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 He's definitely one to watch. <laughs> yeah well,
0: think, I'm got
3: I'm, good, I'm, good I'm definitely gonna be um seeking them out after this uh after today's podcast. Yeah, Thanks for that a David I'll
0: I'll I'll send you a couple of links of, of uh albums to listen to from Porcupine Tree and from from his own stuff and a couple of the other projects as well. Appreciate it. Okay, it's good. Um that's great. I, I think now we probably wanna bring this to the to an end. Um and I want to thank everyone for, for all of the insights, the memories. Um, that's what we're here for. Uh, and also to say to our dear listeners that please feel free to share your comments and also let us know what your four inferences would be. You can do that on our SoundCloud app or on Facebook. i so say you can look for it. I'll include the notes on there. I'm going to say goodbye to the gang and meet you up again in a, in a week's time.
2: Yeah, yeah. Cheers, thought, yeah. Guys, cheers, guys. Brilliant. Bye.
3: Bye.